Welcome to the Uncut Podcast. I'm Pastor Luke. I'm Pastor Cameron. And this is the Uncut Podcast where we have uncut, honest conversations about faith, life, and ministry. Um, Today, we're just kind of sitting in here. Don't have like too much of a plan of what we're going to talk about, but we're going to have a little bit of a plan. We have like a topic that we just kind of tossed, but I don't know what I'm going to say about it yet. So I don't really know either. Um, <laughs> but we were, we were talking with someone in the congregation yesterday who shared that they had some questions about something that was going on. Like they had some questions about baptism and the process of baptism and yeah. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then they. Not, I don't want to say stumbled upon, but they, but a lot of their questions ended up being answered in the podcast episode that we did. I think yep. it's called Water in the Spirit. I'm not yep. sure what episode it was, but um, that we talked about baptism. And so um, her encouragement to us, which I think was valid and a good idea, was that we would use this platform sometimes, not every time, all the time, yeah. but sometimes to be able to have maybe a little bit deeper excursus on the things that are going on here at Conduit or in the church in yeah. general, and maybe those of our listeners who who attend Conduit um, can have a little bit better picture, insight into what we're doing. Like, Or no, it wasn't baptism. It wasn't baptism. It was, the, it was, it was communion liturgy. It was communion liturgy. That's right. Yes. yes. It was communion liturgy. Yeah. She was like, why are we doing this? I don't get why we're doing this. What's yeah. the point? Right. And then she listened to the podcast episode <clears throat> on communion and on liturgy. Yeah. And was like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. I'm in. Yeah. Well, and my hope, I, I think, you know, also too, is that like, you know, sometimes we kind of get into things that are more oriented in like our philosophy of ministry, like why, how, why do we choose to do things in a particular way in the ministry here? And so even if you're not at this particular church, you're not at Conduit with us, you're somewhere else and you're listening, like I hope those are provide context for you to reflect on how you're conducting your own ministry, how you're interacting with your church, you know, just a, yep. a deeper, you know, uh, gives you some deeper reflection to how you bring that into where you're practicing faith. Right. right. So. Yeah, because not everyone, we're not all given the opportunity to see um, one of the things that she said, and it's, this episode's not about what she's, the, the, our meeting with no. this lady, because it was a very encouraging, yeah. very helpful for us. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that she, one of the, conversation loops that we had was around she brought this thing to us and we're like yeah we've been talking about that for weeks now and here are some like steps that are being taken and like Mm -hmm. and it was uh and and her response was like oh yeah i guess you guys you do think about this stuff i'm like yeah well really it's difficult for us to think about anything (laughs) other yeah than this stuff and you don't always get to see or get to hear um, all of the conversation or thought or prayer or failed attempts or new ideas or old ideas that right. are tried in order to do things or address things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, and I've said this to people before, it's like, you know, if if you see something within the, within the church you either like or you don't like or as a frustration point mm-hmm. or like a 
feature or like I would I would almost guarantee you that it is like that I'm aware of it too. Yeah. Very, very, very rarely is there like a issue that we're I, like, oh my gosh, I was so had unaware. No idea. <laughs> no, like like it is um you know, we're all, all those issues tend to be kind of front and center in our minds. So it is like, you know, church, modern church is so complex. Like there are so many different things that like, I mean, it, in some ways it's not complex and in some ways it's complex, right? Like the, what we're doing, the main things haven't necessarily changed, but the way churches function has like ballooned. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was talking, I think I was talking with you a couple weeks ago and I was, it would, it had been a week where I had to do a lot of writing and uh, a number of teaching. I think I, I taught Monday night and wrote Monday night, taught and wrote Wednesday night, taught and wrote Sunday. And I was just like, how did preachers used to do the rhythm of preach Sunday morning, preach Sunday night, preach Wednesday night. And your response was just like, well, that was, that's all they did. That's all they did. I was like, oh, well, maybe that's doable. It's still a lot. Um, yeah. yeah. But there's just so many other things that end up crossing our desks. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah the it, it feels to me, in fact, I just posted something on my Instagram about it. Uh, it feels to me like the um, there is a pressure, um, a cultural shift, sometimes a, even a shift within the church for pastors to be organizational professionals mm -hmm. primarily yeah and shepherds Same. if they have time yeah mm -hmm. you know lead the organization cast the vision organize the mission um uh allocate resources um hire the right staff mm -hmm. um do all of the like ceo responsibilities yep. and then if they're if you have time when you're done doing all that important stuff it wouldn't be a bad idea if you met and prayed with people or you mm -hmm. visited the sick mm -hmm. or you um you know you met one-on-one -on -one with someone who's wanting to go deeper in their relationship with jesus and you read the bible together and studied the bible together or you offered counseling or you know spiritual soul care for people yeah if you have time, do all that stuff, but make sure you get to the organizational right. nuts and bolts. Yeah, Past, pastor as CEO, pastor as a startup guru, right? Pastor as like you know, like there's you can put pastor as and fill in the blank, right? And like there's a yeah, pastor as entrepreneur, right? right? Like those are molds that pastors have been, yeah, kind of thrust into there's a little bit of it that i think uh has overflowed into idolatry like an idolatry of leadership yeah mm -hmm. um now that's not to say that you know we should settle for being poor leaders no no like because there, there's that like like i know you and i both read listen to interact with leadership content and are consistently trying to grow in our uh, leadership skills. Right. You know, the danger being though, is that like we would 
overemphasize that in our own self and neglect yes. the primary thing. Yeah. Like how, how much time are we spending listening to leadership podcasts versus like spending time in the word just mm-hmm. personally or ourselves? Yeah. Like I could, I could fall under some serious conviction about that. If someone leveled that question to me, no one's going to though. Right. <laughs> um, you know, I think it, that's, that's real. So, yeah. Yeah. One of the things that we were talking about this morning is the difficulty, uh, or uh, yeah, yeah, I call it the difficulty of balancing um, a pastoral heart and approach mm-hmm. with also the feeling of necessity, really, to get things done yeah so you know (laughs) so an example for us would be and this is a real life example for us Mm -hmm. is okay so we have here at conduit we have a pretty substantially attended kids ministry yeah on sunday mornings up to a third of our worshiping attendance on a sunday is kids 12 and under Mm mm-hmm and that it, that demonstrates a large allocation of human resources on a Sunday morning, yeah. meaning we need a lot of volunteers. Mm-hmm. Unless we want to stick all you know, 50, 60 kids in one big room and just say, run amok. Well, and still we need like a certain ratio of right. volunteers. We've committed to a safety and protocol and all of that. Right, and we have people who do as snacks, and we have floaters in between rooms, and we have yeah. room leaders and assistant room, room leaders, and then we have people who run the check-in. And, yeah. you know, it's like it, it's, it's a complex web of yeah. volunteers that are, that are needed. And, and, of course, in that, you know, we're talking about – we're not talking about you know, junior Holy Spirit here that we want. No, we want yeah. people who love Jesus and who are who are following Jesus closely mm-hmm. and who are eager to teach the word mm-hmm. to kids and to help get them closer to Jesus so that Jesus can transform their lives yeah. as well. And so, it's not just warm bodies. Yeah, God's God is interested in their lives. What's going on in their souls? Absolutely interested in their spiritual development. Yeah. It's not like God suddenly cares once they turn 18. Right. Right? It's they're no less a part of the church, they're no yeah. less a part of the body. Right. If we just look at the physical like if you've ever been to our church and you look at the physical space, you walk in immediately through the front doors into the worship sanctuary. Um but that is like the space that is like it's the smallest space. If we were to just kind of like divvy up the types of spaces, area. Yeah. is like worship sanctuary, and then probably the offices would be the smallest amount of space. Next would be uh, worship adult worship sanctuary, and then the biggest amount of space that the entire building is made up out of is children's ministry. Kids ministry, yeah, hundred percent, right? Because we have a duplicate space below the worship sanctuary that is like where the kids have a big group. Our entire ground floor is kids ministry. Yes, it's all, and then. Three rooms upstairs. Yes, kids ministry. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, it takes a lot mm-hmm. to make that happen, yeah. right? And like, I don't know if this is. I I really don't know. I'd be interested to know 
if this is a pattern in other churches or if it's just if it's unique here i'm yeah. not sure but you know we have a real difficult time getting volunteers committed into those spaces mm-hmm. and maintaining volunteers and yeah. it's probably one of the biggest organizational headaches that we that we encounter is ensuring that we have people in rooms to teach kids on Sunday mornings. Yeah. So like, I mean, somebody on staff spends several hours a week doing that, doing that. Right. So what's the, what's the solution there? Well, you know, there is a part of me who thinks that I could that I probably have enough relational equity here mm-hmm. to stand up on a Sunday morning mm-hmm. and to, um, for lack of a better term, cajole people, <laughs> cajole, yeah, <laughs> coerce, coerce, not quite coerce, but cajole, cajole <laughs> people into signing up to be yeah. in volunteering in the kids ministry, right? Um. And could probably could probably get that done, leveraging a bunch of guilt, yeah, leveraging oh, a bunch of yeah. you know like th- threatening to have to shut down kids' ministry rooms because we don't have enough volunteers yeah. and if all you, that. If you, anyone who's in ministry, I think, has a secret closet somewhere in their brain where they put all of the really snarky things they wish they could say or do <laughs> in order to get their point across, but they know that like. They shouldn't. Well, it's just not pastoral. Well, no, right? right? Like you know, it's, um, it's not the representation of good leadership. It's not the re- representation of compassionate leadership or godly leadership. But nevertheless, it is there. Yeah, you know yeah. that. Yeah, and and you know, and it's and it's it's not. I I I was talking with I was talking with a friend in a entirely different denominational space than than we are. Um, and they're they they have the same exact problem. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's for as different as their worship is from ours, uh, they have the exact same problem. They can't get anybody to help out with the youth. And the guy who, who I was talking with is in charge of like their children's program and stuff. And he was talking with the priest, and the priest was like, maybe. Maybe we're just not the body of Christ because we don't care about the children. <laughs> it was just like going at it. I was like, oh, okay. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's not just a um, it's not just to us. I definitely yeah. think it's a broader problem. But mm-hmm. there's definitely a lot of um, yeah. There's things that we're like. I'm just like, oh, I could say that. That wouldn't be pastoral or Christ-like yeah. or. Right, you know. or it wouldn't even practically speaking, it wouldn't actually move the needle no. over the long term. Right, you might you might convince someone to serve a couple weeks mm-hmm. out of a year, but it doesn't actually it doesn't actually engender or plant within them a heart that desires to lead kids closer to Jesus. Yeah, which is what we that's really what we want to plant in people. We want to plant in people that they're like that, that there's a calling Mm -hmm. to serve the Lord, serve the kingdom and serve these kids by, uh, by 
teaching them, being um, being a place of safety for them, yeah. giving them a place, giving them a place of community that is contextual to who they are and their age groups and mm-hmm. all of that, so that they can meet Jesus and that Jesus can transform their lives. Yeah, right. Because if you're passionate about that, you'll you'll do it. You'll do it. Right. I didn't understand this for like the longest time because like I just, I, I never, I, don't, I just don't know if it just didn't click or I didn't hear people explain it well enough, but there was this like, you know, don't get up there and say, we need volunteers. Like using the word need mm-hmm. was like the dirty word you're never supposed to use in like in a church announcement. And I was just like, I don't understand because don't we need people? <laughs> like, you know, right. and the, the, it's less about the, the need, right? It's less about using that word need. And it's more about like the thing actually behind it of like, cause you can get people who will just like, Oh yeah, I will show up and fill the need. I will do the thing. Um, because it seems urgent. It seems important. Uh, but that kind of volunteer will only last for very short, period. very short period of time before they're like, well, like it doesn't seem like the urgency I showed up, the urgency disappeared. And so now am I really still needed slash there's something else that's maybe more interesting or more urgent or more needed that I w- would rather go do versus someone who shows up because they're dedicated and committed to seeing kids know Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Those are two different volunteers and one's going to last longer. Right. Not just last longer, serve in a different capacity. Right. Um, well, yeah, uh, like, let's say two things. One is, I think we talked a couple weeks ago about how when things get difficult in ministry, mm-hmm. if you are not firmly planted in your calling, then it's really easy to quit. Yeah. If you're there for some other reason, other than you truly believe that God has called you to this very mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. And that the work is important, yep. eternally important. Mm-hmm. That's what roots us here. Yeah. That's what roots me in ministry. Right. Like it's not I mean, I love I love my job and I love the church and I love mm-hmm. the people and I love to preach and I love the word of God and I you know, like all of those things. Yep. But the thing that keeps me planted is that God has has a calling on my life. Mm-hmm. This is the reason that I was created, right? And and I like there. I, I what else could I do? I can do no other. I can do no other, right? But if I was here out of a sense of well, I was just kind of looking for a job, and it didn't, it, it paid fairly decent, had flexible hours, and you know yeah. whatever. Sure, I'll do it, no problem. As soon as it got hard, oh yeah, you're out. The benefits right? of being a pastor are not that great. No, <laughs> um, the compensation packages are not. Don't include like timeshares or right. You know, you know. So, so it is. It functions in a similar way with, for instance, kind of a kids leaders yeah. or kids ministry leaders. Yeah, and and, and I'm not. I'm honestly not faulting people for that. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm really not. Um, but I think that there it's sometimes overlooked the role that a pastor has 
to essentially what we do is we lead, organize, motivate, inspire, empower, encourage a large staff of people mm-hmm. that is not necessarily extraordinarily called to that specific ministry. Yeah. Right? Whom we don't pay. Yes. And they are very busy mm-hmm. and usually have kids of their own. Mm-hmm. So it's like... They're if trying to show up early on right, a Sunday. If you're in the business world, mm-hmm. you have some teeth with your employees. Sure. There are things that they must do in order to maintain or keep that job, right? And that gives you the opportunity to, to you know, it takes a lot of the leadership equation out of it. Yeah. So all of our... All of our employees in kids' ministry are volunteers. Yes. And so if they say, if they call us on a Sunday morning at 7 a.m., be like, uh, hey, yeah, by the way, I'm not going to be there this week or right. this morning for my... We're not... We, what, we are don't we, have, what are we going to say? We can't say, well, uh, we're going to have to talk about this on Monday in my office. Right. Um, or I could. Sure. I could, I could <laughs> be like, I could like leverage some of the equity, mm-hmm. relational pastoral leadership equity or whatever yeah uh, but to what end to, to the end of guilting them into doing the thing mm-hmm. that they committed to doing or is it like a you know remember the calling remember the remember the task remember right. the stakes remember mm-hmm. remember remember yeah okay well i'm still not going to be here okay love you <laughs> <laughs> well i always feel immensely conflicted when Someone comes to me, maybe they've been serving for a while, and they say, Pastor Luke, I'm just burned out. I've got too many things going on. Like, I need a break. And, like, I'm Mr. Pastoral. I'm Mr. Like, you know, I'm like, I get it. Like, I hear you. Like, you need a break. Like, I, yeah, I'm just like, I don't want you to serve in a place that's like, harming you or like detrimental to your spiritual health to your emotional health like um i of course want you to be able to participate in other aspects of the body like you know i'm my heart is to immediately go into care mode for someone who comes to me and says like i'm burnt out yep but at the same time right like there is a question of like are we the first thing that you cut like when things when when stress happens when things happen mm-hmm. do you ever consider that there are other things that you could potentially cut back on trim that or is this the thing that's maybe the easiest because it has the least amount of consequences or it's a thing i don't know i don't know you you can't yeah, there's I, I have zero ability to judge anyone's heart on that matter mm-hmm. but it's always it always puts me in a place of just like that's i'm you know of course, you absolutely we're not going to force anyone to serve. But then as soon as they leave, I am immediately calling other people. Right. Sometimes people who I had that same conversation with several months ago and said, oh, I'll be back at some point. And now I'm like, okay, well, we need you back because somebody else is doing what, you know, that same conversation I had with you several mm-hmm. months ago. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That feels like such a tricky space to be in consistently yeah Yeah, it is 
Yeah, because like we can't, um, right? Can't force anyone. No, nor do we want to. Nor do I want to. Right. So that's the rub. There's the rub. Like, right. I can't force anyone. I don't want to. But therein lies the problem. Was like, okay, well, because we still have kids show up. We still have kids show up. We can't responsibly or safely, yeah, staff a kids ministry with a number of people that we have or don't have. And so what is then the response? Well, the response is, okay, well, we have to cancel these rooms this week. And then the response is like, well, what gives guys? Right. You know, like, why don't we have conduit kids this week? Yeah. And what do we say? Well, because y'all canceled, (laughs) you know, or do we take a more pastoral approach and be like, well, we're just struggling with, maintaining staffing in those rooms and da, 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 da. I don't know. Like, right. Well, I, well, we tried, um, we tried for a, a season to do, cause you know, most, most months have four Sundays every once in a while. There's a month, there's like what, four a year mm-hmm. that have five Sundays in them. And so we tried to do those fifth Sundays, do like a joint family service and stuff. And that was, you know, part just to alleviate some of the stress that we were feeling of like, Oh, we got an extra Sunday this month. Like people were less able, av- willing, available to serve on those Sundays. And so we were consistently running up like, how are we going to have children's ministry? So, well, let's just have a joint family service and try and um, try and love the community that way. And there were some good things in it. But then what we'd largely noticed is that people with children just stopped attending those weeks. Mm-hmm. They would say, oh, it's a fifth Sunday, just not coming to church this week. Yeah, because it's hard to have your kids in church with you to not feel like you're a distraction right. or it's something like, like that. One, and it's one thing if you've got one small kid that can sit on your lap. It's another if you've got five. Five in the front row. <laughs> five in the front row. Right. I don't know who who falls into that category, right. but like, uh, <laughs> you know. You. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and uh, yeah, it's that's hard. So yeah. I don't like, I wish I knew what the answer was. I mean, I think the classical answer is, well, you need to cast better vision. 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 Yeah. But again, that's like a thing that I've heard. But again, what what does that exactly mean? Or yeah, I mean, I could cast vision till I'm blue in the face. Yeah, right. Uh, and it's been, I, I don't know. Maybe it maybe maybe it just is. I have not cast a clear enough vision. I have not cast it often enough. Uh, I have not been more clear about the the goal or the mission or the vision or whatever organizational mumbo jumbo you get yourself mixed up with these days. Um, Tell us how you really feel about that, Cameron. <laughs> I could, I could rant and rave about the, you know, kind of postmodern like obsession with mission, vision, core values and how it just completely consumes a leader's like time to align all those things and to make them um, provocative and intriguing and sticky and um, all of the things in an effort to, you know, create an organizational soup that tastes good to all the people who are coming there. Right. Right. I think the funniest example of this in that I I cannot remember the specifics, but I know it was the CEO of Uber Mm. and he like, when they redesigned their logos, I think he spent like 
a year, two years, some exorbitant amount of time and money. I'm talking like millions and millions of dollars to design a new logo. And it was like this massive, like mission vision. Like he had to, it had to embody like Mm -hmm. the ride sharing service. (laughs) It was like, it was like, what do we, what do we stand for? Like there was like all this like woo woo corporate speak mumbo jumbo, like wrapped up in something that the CEO had done like one-on-one personally with like a graphic designer for like Mm -hmm. years and spent millions of dollars on. And it was a, it's a fine logo, not changing the world, not even as good as Coca-Cola. Um, yeah. <laughs> right. 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 Um, so like you can get all wrapped up into that, but uh, at the end, easily, yeah. and the fun, you know, um, you want to know what's really funny is if you were to get onto any of like the AI free AI, go to chat GPT, whatever, sign up for it and ask it to generate a church mission vision and like value statement or whatever. And then go compare it to to just look up churches and yeah. look at their mission and vision statements and see how eerily close it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, like right. it is. There's nothing novel. No, in the realm of that, I would say in ninety percent, ninety five percent of churches, ninety nine percent of churches, mm-hmm. their mission and vision stuff is yeah, so boilerplate. Yeah, believe, belong. Um, you know, right? Go out, serve, right? You know, believe, belong, gather, serve. grow, and go. Yeah, like, right? oh, for <laughs> <laughs> like, well, come on. Okay, well, Cameron, okay, okay, yes, live, laugh, love. I mean, well, live, love, serve. Oh, excuse me. Oh my <laughs> gosh, live, laugh, love. Oh. <laughs> I'm, Die, cry, and hate. How about that? How about instead of live, laugh, love, it's die, cry, and hate. Uh, um, I mean, okay, right? Yes. Do we gather? Yes. Do we grow? Yes. Do we go? Yes. Right. But like, ex- oh, <laughs> exalting that as like a we just need a better mission statement, and we just need to we we need to communicate it with more clarity, and that's really gonna be the silver bullet to our organizational success here, I think is um, so pridefully idolatrous that it is almost that, but it, be, but it has become so normal that for me to say a mission and vision statement has be, is pridefully idolatrous becomes provocative or scandalous or like, or like, right. what are you talking about? Like, all of the big churches have mission, vision, core value statement. And like, yeah, I, I, I'm not saying that they don't, and I'm not saying that like sometimes those things can be helpful. Right. I'm not saying that they're not help. They can't be helpful. What I'm saying is like they're not the thing. Right. They're you, not the thing. You can have. <laughs> You can have the best branding. You can have the best like mission and vision um, and be an absolute shell. A whitewashed tomb. To be. Yes. A whitewashed white white tomb. Yeah. So I just, I weary of it. And I think, um, you know, we've here begun to um, 
transition or pivot into, um, I guess what you would call a more simple, uh, simpler model mm-hmm. um, of understanding why you know why we exist and who we are, you know, and um, it feels to me to actually be more clarifying for us mm-hmm. than to try and fit every program, every ministry, every decision into a, like a, well, does this meet our five values and our three points of mission and our six points of vision? Like, um, I feel like, um, well, does this move people closer to Jesus? Yeah. Because that's where their transformation is going to happen is not closer to our programs. Nope. Closer to Jesus. Yep. Uh, And if we can get them closer to Jesus, the odds are that, you know, if they... If they allow him to be Lord of their life, that Jesus is going to transform them, period. You know, and so our responsibility is not to necessarily create compelling vision so that they, so that people want to serve. Right. Our responsibility is to get people closer to Jesus, yeah. so He can transform their lives, and they'll transform, and then He'll go on to transform com- homes and communities and churches and all right. of those things. So. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, tend- the, the the temptation in the flesh is to stand up and be like, we need people and we need people because we need to do this and we need to do that and we need to do that. That's true right. at its base level. It's true. Yeah. We do need people to continue the, I guess, standard of ministry that we've set in the past. Mm-hmm. But it, um, you know, I, 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 I'm not willing to. I'm not willing to cash in pastoral equity that I have on the cajoling of people to yeah. to volunteer when they when the when the heart is not there, right? But then that leaves us in a space of being like, well, what do we do? What do we do? Yeah, there is like, I'm curious. Do you think? And this is like. I don't know. I haven't run across the study that's really done a deep dive on this, and I'm not connected to enough. I don't talk regularly enough with enough pastors, but like, I, I, I wonder, and this isn't like, you know, we can't continue to blame everything on the coronavirus. Um, still, right. but like there, there was just such a massive shift in church culture that the pandemic like forced all churches through on some, on some level. And I've, I'm, I'm, you know, consistently wonder, like if you, if you, if you, you remember the pandemic and you remember being locked down and then you kind of remember that sweet spot between being absolutely locked down and being locked in your house, which like may have been different for everybody. Right. Like I was in Chicago. So like the, level of lockdownness that was in Chicago versus here in Western New York were Mm -hmm. different. Um, But that space where you started to, you weren't doing organized sports. You weren't like, you weren't busy, but you had more time for your family and for close friends. And, and people like everyone I was interacting with was like, Oh, this feels amazing. Like there were certain things you missed, right? Like you missed going to like restaurants Mm -hmm. or, whatever your particular thing, movie theaters. Um, But having a lot of things stripped away brought people a lot closer to things that they prioritized more and cared more about. Working from home, closer to family, all of that. 
And and what I've wondered is that in the shuffling of priorities as people have like gotten back to normal life, there's things that have started back up and people are just like maybe longing for a more pared down schedule. And well, I don't want to put everything back on. Maybe we put like some things lower at the list. I don't know. Like I just wonder like has has that shuffle like ended up with people prioritizing church less or feeling like cuz I it was really nice to not have to like um you know, I did when we I was doing a church plant. And so like Sunday mornings were like more complicated than normal Sunday mornings because they involved us setting up church mm-hmm. and like a, and doing all this extra stuff that you don't have to do in a normal church. Um, and I was like, oh, this is kind of nice to just turn on some cameras and then like live stream. Like, this is simpler and it's like it's, it's easier in mm-hmm. some regards. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I like you i am hesitant to give too much credit to covid and all of that um madness that happened you know 3 years ago um but i don't know of a better explanation yeah than that somehow or in some ways it affected the culture of church even mm-hmm. I think that there's always been a underlying current of consumerism Mm -hmm. in the church where church has become a product to be consumed or a message to be heard. Yeah. Right. Not, not some, not a place to belong, Mm -hmm. not a place to belong, become and believe. (laughs) Um, It, uh, but it, 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 but it's been become something just to consume, and and I think that, um, so we're we're responsible to consume, but we're not responsible to produce mm-hmm. at all. Uh, and I think that COVID it intensified that, yeah, because church. L- almost literally was just something that you consumed via mm-hmm. a digital media mm-hmm. in most cases. Yeah. You know, and so I do think that there is a besetting problem in the church, not, not, not conduit, but big C church conduit included there. Um, I do think that there is a growing problem of um, the church exists to, Serve me and feed me, but I have no responsibility to belong to a community that mm-hmm. then reciprocates that into other people's lives. Yeah. You know, um, and that is a dangerous place to be because I think it separates us from the historical nature, biblical nature of mm-hmm. the people of God right. who were set apart so that they could be a the blessing of God to the people of the world. Yes. And and we've lost that a little bit. And I think mm-hmm. that there's probably a those two things are separated or yeah. connected. Um but I I do think that yeah, like 
the the this past pandemic has maybe rewired a little bit of or sped up the trend. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it or yeah, magnified, rewired, sped it up whatever what, you know, what was happening in the world or the culture. Um so Yeah, I don't know. Um I wish I knew what the answer was. I think good leaders would say, well, okay, how do you take your current, you know, pain points and how do you pivot in a way that they, you know, how do you become creative in ministry? So now that you, you just kind of roll with the, with the current rather than swim upstream against it, you know? Well, the thing is, is we've talked about this here is like, um, I think, what a lot of people, the answer that I'm hearing from a lot of church leaders is like, well, just pivot hard digital. Like, be more remote, be more, you know, like, do more digital things, right? Like, embrace the fact that, you know, embrace VR church, Cameron, um, and all of the things. And we've talked, we had an episode where we, we talked about that stuff. And we have theological convictions and reasonings as mm. to why we feel like that is not, that's not it, not a healthy, Mm-mm. like, it, it's interesting because it's, you know, we talked about, we, we spent several weeks talking about um, sacraments, like communion in particular. And the, the idea of like, oh, well, like, Let's not do it every week, or let's not do it very often. Let's not do communion all the time, right? Because we didn't want to like devalue its specialness, and then you end up doing it less and less and less until you get churches that only do it once a year. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. By offering it, by offering things that are important less, or in a less personal or meaningful way, does not like does not mean that you makes it. I don't know. Like, I don't think that going more digitally is going to make people say, like, oh, I value this more because I can consume it more conveniently. No. Like, convenience does not always equal value. No, and convenience is actually antithetical to the gospel of, like, that the gospel costs something. To believe in Jesus costs mm-hmm. something. It is not a... We do not have a we do not have a faith that is has its foundation in convenience. Right. We have a fa- we have a we have a faith that it has its foundation in um, sacrifice mm-hmm. and surrender and giving up of myself mm-hmm. um, and taking up my cross and dying and dying to Those myself. Who lose their life will find it. Right. Um, uh, and so I think the gospel of convenience is a radically Americanized version or Western version of what we desire Christianity to be. And like, yes, I am, I I see the benefit of digital space, but vehemently opposed to it being the totality of someone's experience with the church, because I think that people are actually important. Mm-hmm. Right and face to face conversation is important, and actually pastoral relationship important is important, and the sacraments are important, and the proclaiming of the word is important, and the worship of the body is important, and so, um, 
to say all of those things can happen over the digital space, I think is wrong. Yeah. Church, well, church is more than just a live worship CD and a sermon podcast. It's not a consumable product. Right. Church is not a consumable product. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, yeah, I think that's the way that churches have, or some churches, I should say, have said, well, we will just pivot into being being that. And while I understand the, the you know, churches who would go in that direction, um, it... I have serious reservations and concerns about it mm-hmm. and choose not to. I ch- personally choose not to go that, right. that direction. So, Yeah. So then that leaves us in a place of wanting to stand against where maybe culture is going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, of like, and, you know, the thing is, is I don't know. I, I think when we make things, there's like that unintuitive sense of when we make things easier for people, people have less ownership, buy-in, um, desire for the thing. Um, when it's so, I don't know, like I'm more suspect. I, I Like when I go to buy a book, right? I could, oh, well, I've got this free book that somebody's like, oh, here's my free book I'm giving away. I assume the free book they're giving away is mostly a sales pitch and a pretty bad book versus a book I'm paying full price for that's only in hardback and it's not in soft cover yet. Like, oh, this has got to be a pretty good book. Yeah. Right? Like the my perception of it. And that translates to... And you went searching for it. And I went searching for it. Mm-hmm. And that translates even to how we interact with things like serving yeah. and church like oh like it's just a it's just a live stream like every other church like i can do it in my pajamas i can watch it anytime like i can it doesn't require me to talk to anyone to do anything like is that of do we think that is of greater value than the one that costs me something that's Mm -hmm. making a demand of like me to be someone and be who not just be someone for the church, but be someone for Christ. Mm-hmm. I think that's the other component. And I think why some people might be really burnt out on churches is it it is really tempting for churches to be all about their program, their church, what they're doing, their mission and vision, and not about God's mission and not about like, we want you to be a member here where I think what you're saying is like, well, no, we want people to be closer to Christ. Mm-hmm. That's what we're yeah. really searching. For. Yeah. I mean, I think the classic saying is like, it's not like the church has a mission. And so now we ask God to come alongside of us and bless and prosper our mission. Yeah. So like, no, God has a mission in the world and he has a church to fulfill it. Like it's the other way around. Yeah. Right. Um, so we should, I don't think we should be asking what, what is our, what is our little piece of what we can do? Right? No, it's like, it's not ours. Mm-hmm. It's not our mission. It's not our mission. It's his. And are we doing it or not? Um, or are we distracted? I don't know. It's 
maybe coming across as overly critical of churches who are like uber mission and vision focused, and it, it doesn't. I'm not meaning it to be like that. I guess what I'm saying is that I, um, I'm just weary of it, and I I'm not sure that I am built for leadership in a highly administrative or organizational model of ministry. Yeah. So if we we're not neither of us are meant to be business CEOs. No. Nope. Yeah. You know, and that's demonstrated both in like the witness of the spirit in my life, but also like you know, natural gifting and ability and all of that. I think that, that we shouldn't ignore that either. So Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. So in summary, we don't know what to do. We don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah. We yeah. don't know what to do. We wanna we wanna be inspiring towards the mission of God in the world. Mm-hmm. We don't want to be manipulative. No. But there's also significant need mm-hmm. within the church to serve, specifically in kids' ministry. Right. We um, want to be pastoral. Want to be pastoral. We sensitive want to, to what's going on in people's lives. Yep. We want to move people closer to Jesus, not just sign them up for a task. Yep. We don't want people to consume a product. We want them to be a part of a body that has a mission from God. Mm-hmm. So, um, and all of those things kind of run headfirst into each other a lot of times. So, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Well, as always, we thank you for listening or watching. Yeah. If you have questions or comments, anything like that. Yeah. We have a texting line where you can send us a text and we'll get it. 716-201-0507. And it will um, get to us. And we will, uh, if you have a question, we'll throw it into a mailbag episode. And if you just have a comment, that's helpful as well. Uh, Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.